The Jet Spotlight, episode 28. Hello, Jet Spotlight fans. How's it going? Yanni Lunga here, and welcome to this 28th episode of the Jet Spotlight podcast. Like always, I hope you're having a great week. Plenty of great things have happened to you and I'm happy that you're with me today because this is a great episode, not only because of the great guest I have here for you today, but also because it's the first episode that features the opportunities to submit your questions and hear them answered live by the guests. I mean, how cool is that? To learn more about the upcoming guests, you should follow me on Twitter at JazzSpotlight, where I tweet about who's going to come on the show on the following week so you can make sure that you, you will check who's coming and you can submit your questions. And to submit your questions, it's very easy. You just go to thejetspotlight.com slash podcast. Then you scroll to the bottom and there is an orange button where you can just press record your question and submit it and hear it answered live by the guest. It's incredible. Obviously, it's a new system and it's going to grow. So, you know, I can tell you for sure that your question is going to be featured on the podcast because I expect many who are going to start to take advantage of this opportunity. But I think it's a great thing. It's really fun, especially in the case like today where we have an artist because it's a unique opportunity to say hello and hear the answer. So today's guest is one of the most popular contemporary and smooth jazz artists. I mean, if you listen to the radio, whether on the radio or online radios, I'm pretty sure you have heard at least one of his songs. And he has released a new EP just last week. It's very new, called Breathe. And he's here to tell us more about Breathe, about his career, and also about the upcoming gig that he's going to have at Yoshi's in Auckland. He's going to have gigs starting from tomorrow until Sunday, a show for the celebration of his 20th anniversary tour. And what is great is that there's going to be an album recorded during these shows. He's Brian Culberson here, and he's going to tell us more about the great things he's doing. Like always, you can find the links to all the great things Brian and I talked about at thejetspotlight.com slash episode 28. Here is a Jets talk with Brian Culberson. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, what's up? I'm Yanni Lunga here, and I'm super excited. I have another great guest here. And you know, when you have these kind of guests, it's always difficult where to start from, you know, with the introduction, because there is so much to talk about this guest. Tomorrow, if you're in Auckland, you probably have already marked this date on your calendar, because from tomorrow until Sunday, he's going to be at the Yoshi's Jazz Club. And there is, it's going to be a special event because he's going to record an album for his 20th anniversary tour, which is really exciting. And, you know, you remember maybe from episode 21 when we talked with Jamie Cullum about performing and, you know, about people that do it all. Guess what? Today we have another person that does it all. He plays the synthesizer, the piano, the trombone, the drums, the trumpet. He's also Jets Festival organizers of the Napa Valley Jets Getaway. 
and is here with us. It's with great pleasure that I welcome on the show Brian Culberson. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Hey, nice. thank you for being with us today. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Uh, you are you are a very busy man because I was I was checking your Twitter page before we started this chat <laughs> and I saw <laughs> and I saw so many people excited about your latest piano relaxation CD Breathe. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh sure, yeah. Uh, so just last week I released a a 31 minute solo piano piece. Uh, it's continuous music and it's really just about trying to uh, relax. Uh, whether you do uh, yoga or meditation or just trying to de-stress or, you know, uh, try to fall asleep, too. Uh, <laughs> this uh, just kind of inspired me. I wanted to do something to help people, you know, it's because, as you know, music is can be very healing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so much crazy stuff going on in the world today. I, I think people need to now, you know, take some time for themselves now and then. And hopefully this will help uh, a few people out there. So. There you have it. It's on uh, my website or or on iTunes. Uh, so check it out. It's called Breathe. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, it was it was cool to read the comments because it was really about people. There's nothing better to do than listening to you know Breathe after work or just before going to sleep or yeah. while enjoying a glass of wine. I think it's great comments that you got. Oh, definitely. You know, everyone uh, uses uses that for a different purpose and you know whatever you need in your life hopefully uh hopefully it will serve something for you so mm-hmm. definitely and before we go more into depth about the the big date tomorrow at Yoshi's yeah. and also to talk about another long night out let's take a couple of steps back to the beginnings of your career how did you start with music well, when I was a kid, I started uh, about eight years old, uh, traditional classical piano lessons. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, I just started experimenting with other instruments, uh, picked up the drum set, started playing along with uh, my, some of my favorite records on drum set, mm-hmm. like Earth, Wind and & Fire and Toto and Chicago, those kind of bands. Just tried to learn those drum grooves, play along with those records. Uh, then I got into uh, fifth grade, and that's when uh, the uh, school band programs mostly start in the U.S. And so uh, there weren't any piano players in the school bands, mm-hmm. and the drum parts were really, really simple. So I was already playing drum sets, so I said, you know what, let me pick up a wind instrument. So I tried out the trombone, and uh, for some reason I could just kind of naturally play it (laughs) i wasn't very good at saxophone so i was like yeah i'm not gonna try that but i picked up the trombone i could just start wailing on it so uh i was like ah this is for me uh so then i just kept kept playing and uh it was about junior high school i was around 12 i started composing my own music and that's when i started getting really really excited about uh, playing music and writing, writing my own stuff. And that's when I knew I was like, okay, this is, this is really cool. I want to do this. Cause every time I'd sit down and start writing and, uh, composing, I, I would just get really, really excited and a whole sense of euphoria would come over me and I'd be like, okay, I want to do this. <laughs> so that's really all I wanted to do throughout all of high school and, and, uh, college and, that's obviously where I'm at. So it worked out. 
Mm-hmm. No, it definitely has. And you talked about composing and how exciting it is. And it's unbelievable that you have been, uh, you have written or produced over 25 number one uh, smooth jets hits on, you know, on uh, Billboard radio charts, R&R and Gavi radio charts. It's unbelievable. What is the secret between composing a great song? What do you think? Well, number one, I believe it's it's the melody. You need a great melody that is is uh, catchy, yet not too simple, but something that captures people's uh, imaginations, takes them somewhere, and they can also hum along. So it can't be too complex either. Mm-hmm. So there's that uh, that kind of middle line of interesting yet not too crazy, and that's that's writing a, a good melody, and it's it's uh, a lot harder uh, than you think it might be. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I, I mess around for for hours or days messing with a, a different melody just to make sure that it's a great melody mm-hmm. uh, there's a you know a fine line between a mediocre one, one a song that you might not remember and a and a big hit so uh, i really really work hard on crafting those melodies and number two it becomes nowadays you know so many different sounds mm-hmm. at your fingertips uh, a big part of a hit record is also the production of the the track and the overall sound of it, um, you know, used to be that didn't be used to be part of uh, a hit song. You know, back in the olden times where it was just all acoustic instruments and everyone sort of had the same palette. Now, with keyboards and synthesizers and computers and all these samples, yeah, there's really it's an endless supply of different sounds. So creating uh, a whole new sonic palette each time that you're working on a song is important as well. Something that's innovative, fresh, and distinctive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just, uh, sometimes a, a song will come on the radio and you instantly know it from the intro because of a certain sound or something that it's doing. So um, I think it's kind of the combination of the overall sound of a track and then, of course, the melody or a hook that that really is memorable and and speaking of hooks there are quite many hooks in your latest album another long night out where many people you know as soon as there are a couple of songs that people are really as soon as they hear it maybe for three seconds are like ah okay brian brian's song (laughs) is coming ah cool and can you tell us a little bit about another long night out where did you get the inspiration for that album well, I mean, it, it's it's a complete remake of my first record, Long Night Out. So mm-hmm. those first songs uh, that I wrote, I was 20 years old, and a few of those songs I had written prior to that as well, back into high school. Um, I, really, it, that album for me was my most, I guess, in a way, almost most, most creative, because I, I was not in the business yet. I was just a kid writing music and making, making, uh, tracks that I thought were personally interesting and something cool. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't thinking about selling records. I wasn't thinking about any fans because I didn't have any fans. <laughs> Nobody knew who I was back then. I was just writing music uh, again that I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. So 
really the inspiration was all of the music that I listened to growing up. That really was thrown into my first album. And you'll hear uh, little inspirations from different people, um, whether it be the Yellow Jackets or uh, Earth, Wind and Fire or Chick Corea or Pat Metheny or David Sanborn or any of these different artists. You, you kind of jumble it all up and that's who you become as, a, as your own artist. Mm -hmm. um, really uh, listening to all these things over the years and it just you know it seeps into you by osmosis in a way yeah <laughs> <laughs> through through your ears um uh and there there it was it really wasn't a conceptual album it was more of hey let me just write some cool music and that's what it was so uh in remaking it i wanted to retain that uh, initial spirit of the album and yet bring it into today's production technology and great musicianship, uh, hiring all these incredible musicians that, you know, I've said this many times, many of the guys that kind of inspired me to want to make that first album in the first place. Yeah. And that's who's on this new version. Mm hmm. No, definitely. I get it. And about inspir inspirations, you mentioned very many big names that inspired you 20 years ago and i and i'm sure that they're still inspiring you today sure. is there is there someone in particular perhaps some new artist that you've heard recently that you've been like hmm this kid can really play or this gal can really play well i think uh several years ago i i first heard a uh, young sax player eric darius and he really blew me away and i immediately uh uh, said, Hey man, let's, let's get together, uh, hang out for lunch or something. And so I said, man, I, uh, what are you doing next year? I said, you want to go on tour? He's like, sure. So he joined my band and we, we, uh, he was playing with me for a couple of years and ended up producing a couple of his, uh, uh, songs for him. Uh, and then he's obviously gone on to do a lot of great things himself. And, uh, we, we've stayed, uh, good friends and, so he's definitely one of the uh, newer artists out there. Actually, not as new anymore, but <laughs> um, still uh, about 10 years younger than me. So I, I still think of him as a New York artist. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and now, 20 years after, what do you think uh, has been perhaps the biggest challenge to your career as a musician? Oh, man, that's, that's a good question. I, I think... Um, one of the things... Sorry to interrupt, you can be even a couple of challenges. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think number one, it was uh, getting that initial audience. Uh, I think it just takes time. A lot of people see artists out there at the, in their current state and thinking, oh man, they're, they just came out of nowhere and blew up and this and that. But really, it's been a slow, gradual climb for me uh, over the, over the 20 years to where I'm at at this point. Um, was there an individual hard challenge? I don't know. It's always seemed challenging every little step of the way from, um, making the first record to going out on my first tour. I mean, every tour that we do and every tour or every album that I make is always challenging in its own right. So, uh, I, I don't think any one thing actually stands out. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just kind of a, a long, slow grind. <laughs> that doesn't sound good, but I, of course it's fun along the way. You're, you know, you're making music, you're doing what you love to do. So, 
um, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else in the world. So um, there you have it. And if you were to give some advice to a young musician that is listening to you and perhaps is struggling with his or her career, what would you tell him or her? Well, I think it's a different kind of world nowadays in terms of getting your new music out there. Uh, before it was always about, okay, I need a, a record deal with a label mm -hmm. so that they can promote me and make me famous. Right. You know, <laughs> these days, uh, not as much about that as, uh, it is about creating your own, uh, awareness out there using obviously, uh, social media and YouTube. You got to have your own videos, whether it's just you plan in your bedroom or with a band in a local club, mm -hmm. you got to get your own videos out there and create, um, also a, a local following wherever you're from, mm -hmm. uh, got to do as many gigs as you can, uh, locally, uh, to get that following up there so that you can, uh, slowly, uh, become known outside of your hometown. Mm -hmm. Um, also try to align yourself for, with some other artists that are already known in your genre. Try to meet them through other musicians. It's about networking. Mm -hmm. Um, and something like Eric Darius did, uh, he was able to join my band and, uh, from touring with me for a couple years, got his name out there more so than, um, just doing his own shows locally. Uh, so I tell a lot of young jazz artists, hey, uh, maybe you can work with some other established names uh, for a year, two, three years, however many long or uh, however many years it makes sense, uh, just to get your name out there. Maybe you can uh, be featured during their set uh, or even play on some other records. You know, I mean, it's again, it's a slow process, but um, again, it's about who do you know in the business and. Who can you hang out with and go to other clubs and meet other musicians? The more people you know, the more people are going to talk about you. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really a combination of all these things. Yeah. No, definitely. I agree with you. And it's it's nice that you mentioned some of the things we talked about in the past with some guests. For example, on episode eight with Christophe de Gelt, we talked about music management and booking. And it really emphasized the importance of networking. Like you said, you, you made the example of, of a musician looking for established musicians and also about building uh, a local fan base. Building yeah. an audience, it's something that we talked about on episode 24 with Nicola Milan when she talked about the different types of gigs and she really emphasized the types of gigs with which artists can build uh, a local fan base. And also about the videos, I uh, I just published an article about the, uh, the potential of hangouts on air for musicians, mm. you know, the great opportunities that musicians could take advantage of by using hangouts on air, like doing videos, like you say, yeah. streaming concerts. I even wrote about why not having a monthly, for example, Q&A with your fans. I think that would be great. I think, that, yeah. you know, it's a, it's an advice for many <laughs> artists out there. No, totally. Yeah, I've actually done several uh, Ustream uh, chats to where I will do exactly that. Uh, people can Twitter in questions uh, and then I will be on the, you know, the video 
they can see me and hear me and I'll uh, answer as many questions as I can. Sometimes they come in really quick and I'll miss <laughs> some, but, <laughs> uh, but that's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm definitely going to do another one this fall. I don't do them that often, yeah. but uh, I will certainly do them when I have new projects coming out. So I'm due for one of those. So thanks for reminding me. Hey, you're very <laughs> welcome. And to all of our <laughs> listeners, make sure to check and follow Brian Culbertson on Twitter so that you are updated with the last things coming up and also this kind of Q&As. And now let's talk about tomorrow, about the 20th uh, anniversary tour and the recording that is going to take place at Yoshi's in yeah. Oakland. When, what can people expect from this concert? Well, this concert uh, this weekend that I'll be doing is basically the same show that I've been doing uh, this year, mm-hmm. which um, in March I put together what I'm calling the 20th anniversary tour uh, show. And really it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a whole mix of songs from my entire catalog. Almost every album is represented in this show. Uh, starts off and ends with uh, the introduction to my first song, which was City Lights, off my first album. So people that have been following me since then, the in, the beginning of the show and the end of the show, it kind of caps uh, the beginning of my career and where I'm at now. Um, so it starts off with that, which was kind of an iconic beginning to that first record, the Long Night Out record, mm-hmm. and, and now another Long Night Out. So... Uh, it's really kind of a shows the arc of my whole career and uh, we do a lot of the funk songs. We do some vocal collaborations, which is when I was doing more R&B stuff. And of course, uh, a lot of the uh, contemporary jazz stuff uh, mixed in as well. So really a big uh, a mix of all those tunes. And it sounds really excited and it's exciting. And I saw that actually the, the gigs for Saturday are already sold out, but there's still opportunities for tomorrow, for Friday and Sunday. So if you want to, you know, to be part of this great experience and most importantly to see Brian Culbertson live. Make sure to head over to Auckland at the Yoshi's Jets Club. And now that you mentioned this kind of full circle of the set list that you, that you play from the first song to the yeah. most recent songs, I have a question about how do you put together a set list? Because you have, you have made so many albums, so many songs. How do you make sure that, you know, those that have maybe just found out about you, they get songs that they know, but also those that have been with you for 20 years. Yeah. You know, get the, the full plate in a way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely not easy. Of course, you know, having now 14 studio albums out, um, inevitably people will come to your shows and be disappointed. Oh, well, you didn't play my favorite song. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I, that, I don't, I barely remember that song. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely tough, but, uh, when you only have an hour and a half show, let's say, uh, I, you know, to do all of my songs, it'd be a nine hour show. What are you going to do? But, um, I, I try to just include a lot of the songs that most people, uh, that are fans of the genre would be familiar with and be like, because I, I, I think it's it's great to play all those songs that, that people know. People want to hear, quote unquote, the hits. And um, if you if you don't play a lot of those, uh, you're going to get a lot of disappointed fans. Um, you know, if you go out to hear you too, you want to hear those songs <laughs> that you know and have been listening to for years. So 
that's that's really number one. And and number two, I, I want to play the songs that really translate live well, that are exciting, that I can um, – I'm always changing up the arrangements to my songs uh, from year to year to year to keep it exciting and fresh for – for people that do come out to the shows at least once a year, and a lot of people come to multiple shows um, uh, a year. But from year to year, I always change it up, mess around with the arrangements just to keep it fresh and exciting, uh, not only for the fans, but for myself and my band, too, uh, that, have planned, that have been playing these songs for years and years. So um, that's really how I come up with a set list. Number one, trying to make sure that I play as many of the songs that people know. Uh, as possible, but then throwing in uh, some of the new new material as well, and, and then playing a, some of the older stuff. Uh, it's it's just nice to uh, play some of those old songs. A lot of people were not familiar with my first album uh, because they might have discovered me along the way. So playing some of those songs that people don't know is is cool as well, so that they can go back and discover some of those older songs. So yeah. Definitely. And on uh, on episode 26, there was a singer, Cyril Aimé, and that she talked about different things. And she talked about uh, performing and, you know, interaction with the audience. What kind of tips you have or what are uh, some some of your <laughs> uh, strategies in a way when you perform? How do you interact with audiences? Well, there's several ways to do it. Number one, I'm always looking directly at the audience and trying to engage with them just visually, uh, whether it be making eye-to-eye contact or hand clapping and try to get them to clap along or sing along. Uh, that's really important as well. Um, and then we, we try to do um, some uh, simple choreography as well with the band to Try to make sure there's a lot of movement going on stage. I mean, I'm, I'm such a fan of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I remember seeing them when I was a kid, just <laughs> and and remembering how exciting their shows were. Um, and they were really the best mix of great musicianship and great showmanship. And I I really strive to to do that in our shows as well. Um, uh, something that. Uh, not everybody is is really really cognizant about you know so many great jazz players that kind of stand there or have their back to the audience you know that don't really care about the audience and they're just they're just kind of playing and okay well that's that's good and fine but i don't know sometimes in my mind i'd be like well why don't you just stay home and listen to the record then Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i think people want to go out and and forget about the world and just be entertained for a couple hours. Um, that's just kind of my philosophy. Every musician is different and, um, they do what they do, but, um, that's kind of my, my thing. So definitely want to have an entertaining show. People go away and say, wow, that was fun and, and great to listen to. And I, I really, you know, think about the whole presentation of not only the staging and the musicianship, but also, the sonics of how does the mix sound in the house? I'm always going out there during sound checks, working with my sound engineer, making sure it sounds great as well. So there, there's so many factors that go into making a great show, I think. And I'm really thinking about all of those. 
Yeah, it's no, actually it's great to to hear because sometimes it, it happens that maybe some some venues have have an acoustic that you know in a way uh, affects the quality of the performance. Yeah, and uh, and I also totally agree with you about the the experience because we we are people. So when one is in the audience, then obviously it depends also from the kind of music. But still, people like to to get emotions and to get involved and engaged and, and even yeah. if it's with the clapping or mm-hmm. or dancing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no i totally. totally agree with you and brian you you are doing so many things you are composing you are playing you are producing and you're also a festival director of the napa valley jets getaway which you started uh, you founded in 2011 tell us a little bit about that experience how did you come up with the idea of starting that event well I've obviously done a lot of different events throughout the years, uh, from many, many different festivals and shows, and I've done a lot of the jazz cruises as well, uh, which are a lot of fun. And what I've realized is people love uh, what I'm calling kind of a lifestyle event to where it's combining uh, the concerts with uh, a vacation or some sort of theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not a lot of these types of events for the, the contemporary jazz genre out there. Mm-hmm. And so I just started thinking, um, where do people want to go and what would be a fun uh, getaway for people uh, that enjoy this music? And what else do uh, people that enjoy this music like? And uh, one of the most obvious answers is wine. Wine and jazz just seem to, they go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are, they're just into both of those things a lot of the times. And it was several years ago, my wife and I were uh, on an anniversary trip, and we spent about 10 days up in Napa Valley. And during that time, we both really just kind of fell in love with that lifestyle. Uh, it's so beautiful up there. Um, we also ended up meeting a lot of the winery owners during that trip mm-hmm. and realized that uh, many of the people up there are also musicians. And there's a real great connection between the arts and food and wine up in Napa Valley. And so a couple of years after that, I, I was keeping in touch with people up there. Uh, it just sort of hit me. Uh, whoa, why don't I put something together? <laughs> and so I, you know, called a few of my friends that I obviously kept in touch with and just kind of floated this idea by them. And, uh, one of my friends, uh, Steve Gage and I ended up talking for about three hours one day, just totally brainstorming on what we could do. Uh, cause number two, uh, number one, uh, that area didn't have any, uh, music or jazz festivals going on. And there really weren't that many concerts uh, for this kind of music in the area. So I knew there was, a number one, a void in that market. Uh, number two, my fans or fans of the genre, uh, I believed, would love hanging out there. And so uh, it's actually worked out. So as it turns out, uh, it, it was a good idea. <laughs> so we're about to go into our fourth year next June. And uh, we're going to be announcing the lineup here in a couple weeks. Uh, and man, next year's lineup is 
really, really phenomenal. I can't wait to uh, tell everyone. I can't say anything today, but uh, when you find out, you're going to be like, whoa, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've been building up to it. Uh, you know, the first first three years, we've had great lineups, but we're we're definitely growing and continuing to grow. And as the word gets out more and more and more, we can certainly get more and more uh, artists uh, to come as well. So, yeah. And then also when you get a couple of years under your belt as yeah. director, I think it's it's easier. And people, as I said moments ago, you have to to follow Baron Culbertson on on Twitter, also Facebook, so that you are updated with all the great things, especially also now that he has given us this news that in a couple of weeks, there's going to be the first names of the lineup of the Napa Valley Jets getaway. And what if there was something that you would do differently in your career, what would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. Um, one thing, I mean, I, I think a lot of musicians would, would maybe say this. I don't know, but I wish I would have practiced more piano. I wish I were better. I, I, I'm a, I always want to get better. I guess that's a, a sign of a, I don't know, a, a musician that cares. <laughs> I wish I were a better piano player. And everyone's like, oh my God, you're great. You're great. You're great. And we're like, well, okay, fine. But I, I don't know. I, I, I wish I had more time to devote to just sit down and practice and become better and better and better and better and better. But there's so many things going on. Uh, and I'm kind of just kind of spread out doing this, 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 and this and that. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, number one, I'm, I'm happy. So there is that. Um, a lot of people can't say that. Uh, you know, they're happy with what they're doing in life. Uh, so, uh, I'm in a great place there. So no complaints, but, um, I don't know. What else can I say? Um, <laughs> I'm making records and, and touring and I don't know how to say I would do anything differently other than what I just said, but you know, it's easy to say, say that, but. All I can do is try to do that more in the future. How about that? Yeah, no, but the, I think it was it was a great answer, and it's you know it's nice to hear that despite your your uh, your level at the piano, your performances, and you know the thousands of fans you have around the world, you are still thinking that yeah, it would be great to have more time to <laughs> to practice the piano. Yeah, and you know you have so many exciting things coming up. I'm looking at your website right now, and you're pretty busy now. Uh, this week you are in uh, in Oakland, then you're gonna be in New Jersey. You're gonna be at the Las Vegas Jazz Festival in Newport Beach in California. A couple more dates. In Atlanta, you're gonna be traveling quite a lot at the Phoenix, uh, in Phoenix at the Arizona Jazz Festival. And then in January, you're gonna be at the Smooth Jazz Cruise that you mentioned a moment ago. Yeah. Don't you ever get tired of, of traveling this much? <laughs> well, it's, it's constantly on the move. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it can be a little grueling, but I, I try to travel as, as well as I can. Number one, you try to get, uh, here's what I do. I try to get direct flights, uh, in the middle of the day so I don't have to get up at 4 a.m. Some musicians like to take the first flight out <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, 
what are you doing? You're getting up at like 4 or 3.30 or 4 to go catch a 6 a.m. flight. Oh, man, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I used to do that. So I, I try to uh, travel nicely uh, and, you know, try to play, stay in a decent hotel. Uh, number two, I bring my own pillows and sheets. Some people say, wow, that's kind of weird. But I've learned that every hotel you stay in, it's it's like a totally different situation with what kind of sheets they have. Sometimes they're scratchy. It drives me mad. Or their pillows are too big or too soft. So I found that bringing my own uh, help with with sleep, because sleep is so important when you're touring. Uh, if you're not getting enough sleep, then you get cranky and ah. Uh, then you just don't feel well, and then you can't perform at, at the level that you want to perform at. So um, th- that's one thing that I've found uh, is really important. So all you young musicians out there, <laughs> make sure you're sleeping and uh, not partying too much while you're on the road. <laughs> you know, drink lots of water, too. you got to hydrate. So and uh, and eating well is as well. Um, all on tour is, is not the easiest thing, but... You got to really, really try. So uh, avoid the pizza and wings after the show. <laughs> no pizza, wings, and beer after the show. It's so easy because it's just all over the place, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. I'll eat. I'll eat like a, a vitamin bar and drink water. That's what. That's my. That's my situation. But <laughs> so 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 that's the Brian Culbertson diet no yeah. jokes aside yeah. <laughs> jokes aside i agree with you it's really important to get a good amount of sleep and relax after a hard day of work or while touring and there's probably no better way to relax and chill than listening to some great brian culberson music okay so brian now we have a, a new feature of the jazz spotlight podcast where we have fans asking you questions how cool is that oh nice yeah very cool and we have a couple of questions for you so let's hear the first okay so this is Tamara collins from southern california and i am a huge brian culbertson fan i love everything he's ever done all 14 albums well 15 if you count the new breeze ep that uh dropped last week i have listened to it over and over again over the past few days and it, it's so beautiful just just brilliant uh, it's such a good idea so relaxing i absolutely love it um the napa jazz getaways absolutely fabulous i'm already looking forward to year four i can't wait to to just hear the lineup and what he has in store for us for another year um but i'm most excited about the live album that's being recorded later this week there is no way i could miss being a part of this um so my question to brian is what do you have in store for us uh coming up at yoshi you know any surprises you can hint at you know maybe tell us a few songs in the set list you know come on give us something (laughs) okay and then also when do you anticipate that the album will drop all right so those are my questions and i look forward to seeing you guys later this week thanks hey Tamara, thanks for the call uh yeah that's awesome uh so the new live album is going to come out uh january 12th of 2015 so just a few months away that's actually my birthday (laughs) so uh as it turns out so that'll be fun. Um, uh, in terms of what to expect and in the set list, yeah, it's mainly going to be the show that we did, uh, have been doing this whole year, but there is going to be a brand new song, a uh, song that I wrote with Sheldon Reynolds. So uh brand new song. No one's heard it yet. So very excited to play that. 
And there's going to be uh, some new musicians on stage, too. So, yeah, you'll see that uh, on Friday. <laughs> Had to add a little bit to the live recording. Uh, 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 so you'll, you'll see. Okay, cool. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Brian. And here comes the second question. Hello, um, my name is Eddie Mweketi from South Africa. Um, uh, my question is for Brian Calvertson. Um, I would like to know uh, to Brian, hi Brian, um, when are you paying us a visit sometime in South Africa to come and play your beautiful music? I, I'm a big, very, very, very big fan of yours and uh, would love to see you here one day. Thank you very much. Hey, Addy, thanks for your call. Um, yeah, you know, I would absolutely love to go to South Africa. Uh, I've had a couple opportunities that just haven't pan- panned out for some reason, but uh, definitely I'm awaiting the invitation from either a jazz festival or uh, jazz festival or, or some promoter down there. So um, what I would say to anybody, you know, around the world, if, if you want me to come there, um, I would definitely get a bunch of uh, your friends together and all put requests into wherever you go to see music, whether it be a jazz club or a jazz festival in your area or uh, any venue, and just uh, put a request in for me because really that's how it works. The more requests uh, a particular festival or venue gets for an artist, they'll start paying attention to that and reach out to my booking uh, agent, and then they'll give us a call, and hopefully we'll be there soon. So thanks again, and uh, yeah, start uh, rounding up the troops and uh, make it happen, and I'll be there. (laughs) Brian, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast and for this great interview. Well, it was my pleasure to be here, and uh, again, I appreciate the, uh, the invitation. My pleasure. Have a great time in Yoshi and all the upcoming dates. All right. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you. And we are back. That was awesome. Great interview. Brian, if you're listening, thank you so much for being on the podcast and, you know, telling us a little bit more about the great things that you are doing. And also thank you, Eddie and Tamara, for submitting your questions. Well done. It was really exciting. And I'm sure you're really happy about this. And don't forget to tweet about it (laughs) with your friends and followers. And again, as I told you, from now on, I'm going to tweet about the upcoming guests of the show on Twitter at Jet Spotlight. So if you are interested in asking questions, you can just submit them. It takes just a minute. It's plenty of fun. And please, I'm asking you, please keep your questions coming because, you know, it's going to be really exciting both for you and the guests. And I'm sure there's going to be great questions and great answers. So keep them coming. Go to thejetspotlet.com slash podcast and record your question. And I want to ask you for a small favor. If you have enjoyed the podcast so far, this episode with Brian, and now that there is the opportunity to submit questions, would you like to help out and go to thejetspotlet.com slash show? and you will be redirected to the iTunes page of the podcast. I'd like to ask you for a for a minute of your time for a review and some ratings. That would really help the podcast in the rankings in iTunes and will help more people that are interested in, in jets and the music industry to find out more about the podcast. So thank you in advance for doing that. I really appreciate it. And if you do, please send, send me a tweet so that I can thank you personally. I'd love to do that. 
This is it for today, guys. Thanks for spending these 40 minutes with me, for having me being part of your days. Maybe you're taking a walk, you're having a glass of wine, you're at the gym. Thanks for giving me a moment of your time with the Jazz Spotlight Podcast. I'm Yanni Lunga, and I'll see you next week. Take care.